Alyssa was a character. She was very funny, very family-oriented. She loved her family. I did play a big part in raising Alyssa. I'm not your typical aunt, niece type thing. This is my baby. I raised her. She took care of her mom. She That was her, her main thing, was taking care of her baby and her mom. My sister was really, really, really sick. But it wasn't a problem for her. You know, she loved taking care of her mom. You know, she was more or less into doing what 20-year-olds do, trying to figure out clubs and, you know, experimenting with drinking and stuff like that. That part, she's not going to tell me. Because at the end of the day, like I said, it goes back to I am that mother figure for her. So, of course, she didn't want me in her business, you know. She didn't want me to, for one, I would worry. For two, I would nag her. And... You know, so she didn't really tell me that part of who she was with, how she was with. When a person first comes up missing, you you don't expect. You just think they'll, they'll be back. They'll surface in a day or two. Maybe they did something really goofy. Maybe she blew all her money or something. She'll be back in a week. You know, just something. You don't expect... For somebody to be gone that long, it's a week, okay, and then a month. After my sister died and she didn't come, then you're like, okay, something's really wrong. Not in your wildest dreams would you think that we would still be here 10 years later looking for Alyssa. Every year gets harder. People think it gets easier every year. It doesn't. It gets harder every year because... You, you know, you feel like, what else can I do? What didn't I do? With her mom being dead and her dad, you know, he's gone on in life and stuff. It's like there's nobody looking for Alyssa. My mom is too old. She can't do it. Um, so that pretty much leaves me. All of the support that I found, particularly this last year, has come from the MMIW. That's not something we've had in the last 10 years. It was mostly just me and my family doing everything by ourselves, with ourselves. At this point, I, I really hate to say it, but dead or alive, I just want her to come home. I just want closure for my family so that we can begin to heal. Twenty-one-year-old Alyssa McLemore went missing from Kent, Washington, in 2009. On April 9, 2009, around 6.30 p.m., Alyssa's grandmother called her and asked her to come home, as her ailing mother, who suffered with scleroderma, was dying. Alyssa agreed. However, she would never make it home again. This was unlike Alyssa, because she was not only caring for her child at home, but her ill mother as well. We're just a really close-knit family. There's lots of cousins, there's lots of nieces, there's lots of nephews. She has quite a big family, you know, and every single one of us hurts. An ominous 911 call was placed from Alyssa's cell phone at 9.15 p.m. on April 10th, 
the day after she went missing, a woman could be heard screaming for help. Sadly, the call dropped after 10 seconds and could not be traced due to her phone having no GPS sensor. When some, someone comes up missing, you just never imagine it would be for so long and then just vanish without a trace. It's time to come forward. It's time to tell the truth, get it off your conscience. I used to say, tell us before we die, one of us dies, but you need to tell us before you die. She called 911 and she screamed for help. So there is no way that anybody can convince me she left on her own. Witnesses saw Alyssa get into a green pickup truck, possibly with Oregon plates. He was a white man in his 50s or 60s. The area she went missing was near 30th Avenue South and Kent Des Moines Road. The vicinity is patronized by prostitutes and their customers, and McLemore had a history of prostitution arrests. Everything I say about my niece, I mean, technically, there's not a lot to say about Alyssa's case because she just mysteriously vanished one day. So there's not a lot. What I do know is that there are tips coming in to the police, and they're not sharing that with me because it is an open investigation. I have asked to listen to the 911 tape repeatedly. However, now that it's a major part of evidence, I guess, so they're not even trying to let anybody hear it. But the streets are talking. I'm from the streets. I'm well, like, known on the streets, and I've heard different stories. And I've taken some of this to my detective, and he's actually verified some of the things that I've heard are true. And because it's an open investigation, I can't go into what I know. But me and my detective have agreed some of the things that came in are true, um, which kind of brings a whole new perspective because the people that are telling me this don't realize that I'm making, like, reports about it. Alyssa's aunt has been personally investigating the disappearance of her niece, for the last 10 years. She hits the streets talking to people, driving around looking for her niece and walking near lakes and woods in hopes of finding her. Tina, Alyssa's aunt, fears for her life and her family's life due to tips she receives and the fact that she feels she is getting close to finding the person who took Alyssa. She received a tip to check a well near a lake. When she went there, the well was too deep to examine, so Tina notified the authorities. However, they did not assist her in her hunt for her niece. But you can put this on tape too, because I do want people to know this. There's a place that somebody told me to go investigate. 
flooding. I went and I investigated, and it's a lake. So we walked all around the lake. We didn't see anything out the normal. But then we found this well, right? And if you go down, and, like, I had this long hike because it was a hike for time. I was searching for Alyssa. So I could hike a stick. And my husband found this well that was under some sticky bushes. And so we were trying to figure out how deep is the well. And so he took my hiking stick, which was probably about 15 feet tall, and he threw it in the well, and the stick disappeared. So I grabbed another hike, a big-ass stick, and I kind of moved the bushes back into the picture. And what you could see down there is you could see a tarp. And you could tell something's under the tarp, and you could tell, like, probably a couple of years have passed where there's leaves on top of the tarp. But there's something under that fucking tarp. I don't know if it's Alyssa, which is I was led to find out when I that's the whole thing that took me to the park. I don't know if that's somebody else's family member. I don't know if there's nothing on the park. But the bottom line is, is I called my detective like, yeah, let's go to this park. And we went there and he looked at it and he's like, yeah, you should really have this looked into. So then when I went and tried to go to the city and like, whose property is this and how is it up? But where the thing is, what, what kills it is that, okay, um, I'm trying to think how I can explain it to you. There's a hole, right? And the hole is covered with blackberry bushes. But then directly behind the pole, there's like a surface where it's a big ass square. We could tell a house used to be there. And there's like an electricity switch. And the electricity switch is on the electricity pole, so it still works. But I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to touch none of that stuff. But nobody knows if it's the property's owner is what they're trying to say or if it's the city's property. If y'all really want to know, y'all could have found out. But my whole thing is if there's a tarp, if somebody told me to go search this park for your niece and then I didn't find her nowhere, no legs, nowhere alongside the legs, and then I find this little well, I look down the well, there's a blue tarp down there, and I call the police, y'all don't want to go down there? So basically what you're telling me is you want me to go down there or for me to pay somebody because I pay all my searchers to go down there and risk elect- getting electrocuted or we don't know if there, I mean, there's a power post there with a switch on, the lights on, so I only think there'd be power down there. You see, so we could put a ladder down there. We could all get electrocuted. We don't know what we're doing. Alyssa McLemore is Native American of Alaskan descent, specifically Aleut. However, she was misclassified as Pacific Islander, which is far too common for indigenous people. Consequently, it can make identifying a body impossible. Alyssa was listed as Asian or Pacific Islander, but her DNA is Native American. Therefore, if Alyssa was found, authorities would have listed her as a Jane Doe due to the discrepancy of her race and DNA. My niece was chosen to be Asian until um, she disappeared in 2009. She was labeled Asian until 2000 and 17. 
Not only was she labeled Asian, like, it took a lot to make them change it to Native American. Like, a lot, lot. So when they were doing all the census and all the counts as far as, like, how many Native Americans, she wasn't even counted when, technically, she was one of the first ones that came up missing. Like, as far as when they started it in 2010, or 2009. She was one of the first ones. But she didn't even get counted or included because they had her down as Asian. And then we had to tell them she's not Asian. They changed it until 2018 that she was actually, or 2019, I'm sorry. Right before the media came to us last year is when they changed it. But they, when, they, when I tried, but I'm going to tell you something else. I got a phone call one day, this random phone call. This lady calls me, she's like, hey, how you doing? I'm good, whatever, whatever. And she's like, yeah. I just, oh, to make a long story short, your niece? She said, baby, even if they can keep you in mind, this is 2018 now. She said, baby, even if they found your niece, she said they'd have never been able to tell who she was. And she's the one that told me, she said, they have her association. She said, your DNA samples are not complete in here. What do you mean they're not complete? She said, there's no DNA samples, and you need three DNA samples technically. I don't know what those three are and how they work, but y'all know you need three samples to positively ID somebody. And what she said is Alyssa's DNA was not submitted correctly in the University of Texas, I guess, is wherever they store the stuff. Okay, cool. She said, if you call your detective, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about, and he'll know exactly what I mean. Okay. So, being who I am, I called my detective, yo, what's the word? And he said, no, we came to your house, we took samples. Oh, I remember you guys coming to my house. I remember exactly who you did a profile on and how you did. I remember everything. But the problem is, she said, it's not enter right. So, he's like, well, let me call you back. About a week later, he called me back and he's like, you know what? I'm really sorry, but you're right. They weren't entered. This and that. And so everything that lady told me was true. And that's when I learned to believe what people say. Because when people say stuff on the street, you, after a while, you start blocking it out. Oh, that ain't true. That's been brought up on. That ain't true. Oh, no. Everything that lady told me was true. And that's when I got to, well, now I need you to go in here and make sure she was it as made up. Make sure that's not. But let's just say, personally, if somebody was found in that seven years before that, they wouldn't have been able to cross-identified that with the listener, period. But the good thing to us, where I feel comfortable at, is that everybody that everybody, yeah, that they found has pretty much been identified. If you go to the Washington, um, either Pierce County, King County, Snohomish County, I check the whole state. If you go to all their things and look at their missing person, there is no female that's been unidentified. There is no you know, whatever else. And they hold on to people for 10 years. So that part gave me comfort. But at the end of the day, I'm mad that I had school to pull. Somebody else told me. So a stranger called me and told me something. And you don't even know this as the police. How does that work? Now it's at a point, and I'm just going to tell you, when it's me and the police, I feel like you want me to go while you're detective work. Uh, my life in danger, my family's life in danger. It's that trying to investigate when you're not doing anything. And when I tell something, you want me to hurry up and call you with what I found out. Fuck you. 
One of the most important subjects Alyssa and I talked about is the fact that there are minimal resources for families of missing persons. When a family member goes missing, oftentimes authorities claim they do not have the manpower to look for adults who have vanished, unless they are disabled, elderly, or endangered. The stance authorities take is that adults have the right to go missing when in fact they could potentially be missing a crime that has occurred. Tina talks about how families need counseling and advocacy, but it's hard to come by. I don't want no beef with the police because I have to live here. I'm scared to go up there and be like, hey, I don't feel like you're doing enough in Alyssa's case. We also needed some kind of advocate, like, to let us know what to expect next, even what our rights was as far as dealing with the police, their questioning us, their way of questioning us. I want to know, how can I just be looking for my niece and looking for answers in her disappearance for so many years, but then find myself a target because I need those answers. My family needs that closure. But now I'm calling somebody else out pretty much too close to going to jail. So now I'm a target. And my family's a target. So that plans the young stuff and that makes nobody else want to speak. And it's really a, a messed up position to be in that people can't talk about or People don't feel comfortable. People are scared to speak what they know, but people know. And from just from the things I've had to call my detective out on, I know he knows, I know too. And so, you know, it's just really a scary type of feeling when you're trying to go and find justice, but then you're trying to protect your family at the same time. But where does my protection come in at? Even for um, Nevaeh, Elizabeth's daughter, there's been no counseling for her. There's been no counseling for the people that grew up. She grew up in a house with six other teenagers when she disappeared. I'm watching family trauma unfold before my face, and there's nothing I can do about it. I can cry we need help. I started my own business to try to get help, but there's no funding. So, I mean, like... People don't understand the families that are left behind really have a lot more trauma to deal with than what's spoken about or what's addressed. And I just want to make that change to where you're listening to the families. What do we need? And not just listening to hear, listening to hear us, but listen to help us. Nobody has ever stepped forward and helped us. happens with them is if let's say you're walking down the street, you get beat upside the head with somebody, a drunk person for the crack your head with a bottle. Guess what? They're gonna pay your doctor bills, they're gonna pay this and this and this and that. Well what about the little girl that disappeared one day and nobody knows where she is? How come she don't get counseling? How come the girl's mama that disappeared or her grandmama don't get counseling? Her aunties that's looking for her don't get counseling. Ain't nobody came up and told me here, here's five dollars to support you. Besides the tribe, the Puyallup tribe, to be exact. There's no resources. I need counseling. I'm the main 
the main champion on her case. How do you think when I have to call the coroner, when I have to go look for her, when I have to conduct searches, pay people to go with me to go do searches, you don't think I need counseling? Her daughter sometimes participates in her vigils and things like that. You don't think she needs counseling? I mean, like, there's no counseling for us. And that's the least I'm asking for is just counseling. There comes, you have to pay people for food. You have to pay people for their time, their gas, everything. All that comes out of my pocket. I'm disabled myself. I'm unemployed myself. But people say they're doing all these MITW things and fundraisers and this and that, and they're just going directly to the families. Well, who's family? Because it ain't mine. It ain't mine. My family ain't seen not one $5 donation from none of those people, period. The MMIW, anybody that's supposed to help, but they ain't seen nothing. I'll tell you what did happen. The truck stepped in. The tribes make sure my niece's name is out there. There are any flyers they do of missing people, any T-shirts. The tribes have came through and tried to help us the best of their ability. But as far as the police department, there's crime victim units. Have you ever heard of crime victim units? But for real, everybody, you can, you can go get, like I said, murdered by somebody in the street. They got crime victim units. What about for the families left behind? What do we have? We have nothing but grief, heartache, unanswered questions, pain, and wounds that will never heal. These wounds will never heal until Louisa comes home. All you're doing is pouring peroxide on it, trying to keep an infection from growing. But you know what? That infection you're stopping, stopping the infection to go into my heart of hatred and uncomfort that my family feels because we know nobody's really helping us. We see them help other people all the time, and I don't want to break it down to a race thing, but I'm just saying in general, we see all these other people getting help. Mm-hmm. What about ours? We've been in this situation for 11 years. We ain't just come on the block a year ago, two years ago. We've been here for 11 years. Where's our help been? We was alone for nine and I must say, last year in 2019, we got national news. We got a truck for Alyssa. But how about this? I'm going to tell you how messed up our state is. Washington State Patrol gave us a truck with Alyssa on the side. Alyssa's a missing person. Same with my cousin, Tika. She's a missing person. I've seen Tika's truck today, too. But by the way, nonetheless, they give us these trucks. But if you go to Washington State Patrol, missing person website, explain to me how Alyssa... Ortica is not on there. You know why they're not on there? The family didn't request it. Don't you know the family is too busy looking for her? If y'all know she's missing, why you couldn't automatically put her up there? For 10 years now. 10 years. This is an extra step you want the family to take? Are you kidding me? I asked Tina if authorities have been active with her niece's case. She mentioned that the Washington State Patrol put a banner of her niece on a semi-truck in hopes of delivering information in a broader way. However, she also said that the Washington State Patrol did not place her niece on the missing person's website. When she called them to inquire, why that hadn't happened, she was told that families have to request it. Consequently, 
she has experienced mixed dealings with authorities working Alyssa's case. Don't you think that's the least you could have did for my family and put her on the website? I mean, for real. My mom's 77 years old. Her mom's dead. Her dad's never been a part of her life. And I'm out here running all these campaigns and everything just to see her name in the media. I have nothing better to do. Where's your help in helping us? You see what I'm saying? There's no help for us. If we don't help ourselves, we're just falling through the gaps all the way around. And this is what needs to be. This is what pisses me off. And this is what makes me just like go super, super hard on the police, the Washington State Patrol. All you guys are done. But listen, not even on the Kent pages, missing people. She may have been from six months ago, but have y'all updated? She's still missing. No, you haven't. But while y'all ain't doing this for my niece, guess what? I'm still out getting homeless in the same kid ATL that my niece disappeared from in her name. I'm still out making sure that our whole community has something for the holidays. The kids, Christmas presents coming in December, uh, Thanksgiving, November, I'm doing a holiday, holiday parade for Halloween, October, next Saturday. You know, I'm doing this in remembrance of Alyssa, but y'all can't even give Alyssa two times a day. I tell you, it's like this. Ain't none of y'all contribute not one dollar to my, even my foundation, even to my, what I'm doing for my community. You ain't set one dollar in. I'm see, we're going to the major 10, the East Kenton Field, if you Google it, it's a bad neighborhood. And my niece still ain't on your missing person website that you control. Why? Because my family didn't take time to ask you. You sorry son of a bitches. Don't you think that's the least you could have did for my family and put her on the website? I mean, for real. My mom's 77 years old. Her mom's dead. Her dad's never been a part of her life. And I'm out here running all these campaigns and everything just to see her name in the media. I have nothing better to do. Where's your help in helping us? That's the only people that help me is the Puyallup Tribe Indians. But, you know, I just had to come up with my own everything. My own nonprofit corporation because the chief of police told me he's not going to send no more officers to look for my niece. Okay? If you're doing this to me, guess how many people are missing this native alone? But now I'm going to take it to a whole other level. I'm not just working for native. I'm working for all people of color that are missing. Men, female, people of color, period. How many people of those are there out there? And see, we're just little cars, but nonetheless, I got the top 10 apartments. That's poor, low income. We went to the top 10 apartments, and then we got 12 requests. People had to sign up a month in advance. So 12 requests with 12 other houses. So we're doing top 10 apartments and 12 houses. Your kids' whole job is to dress up and stand outside your house. I'm coming through big, big, with a whole parade, cars decorated, people standing in the street, throwing candy to the left, to the right. And that's how we can do it up on this kid's poor East Hill. That's how we're trying to do it for our kids for Halloween. I don't care if it's raining, so if it's raining, I got bags where I'm just going to throw free candy. If it's raining, everybody's going to put their little stuff in little zip blocks. I'm just going to throw candy out that way at them. But the parade's still going to go on. Like, I'm doing stuff that the police, the people that said they care about community, they're not even thinking to do. You know, I just said families on $500 
for Labor Day, right after Labor Day. I wouldn't give them the food because I didn't want them to cook it like on Labor Day. I have a big barbecue with all my food. That would be messed up. But the day after Labor Day, we said 15 families. So now we're hoping to double that and do 30 by Thanksgiving. And then on Christmas, we're going to double that or do that again with 30. But we're going to add like a different trees, different places. I have little combinations of that. People are going to help me. So we're going to raise toys for the kids. Lots of suits up there. There's lots of gang things up there, this and that. Okay, it's Halloween. What's the two top holidays that kids look forward to? Number one is Christmas. The second one, free candy day, Halloween. How you going to they can't go trick-or-treating? Okay, well, they can't go trick-or-treating. Well, guess what we're going to do? I'm going to line up some of my community members. I've got 15 cars right now. We're all going to decorate our cars. i got, like, so many... So much candy is ridiculous right now. And we're just going to go and we're going to throw candy at kids, like a parade. Alyssa's aunt describes Alyssa as someone who was very family-oriented, so much that she cared for her ailing mother. Alyssa came from a large family and a tight-knit family who still, to this day, 10 years later, hold yearly memorials for her. Thank you for listening to In Search of Missing in America. Please visit our website, www.insearchofmissinginamerica.org. Here you can submit case information if you have a missing loved one who needs attention. You can also find resources we have compiled for families, such as free counseling, search and rescue organizations, free databases, and family advocates. There are checklists available for download, along with blank missing persons flyers and a 114-page manual specifically for families of missing loved ones. You can visit us on anchor.fm forward slash help find the missing, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public for more cases. While it is not necessary, you can become a listener supporter as well. This helps with expenses of our website, audio software, and podcasting equipment. Until next time, stay safe. Indigenous women and girls are not so fortunate when it comes to representation in a missing persons case. There is a data crisis for Native Americans who are missing. There are databases for missing persons, but many missing indigenous people do not get entered into these databases. This is due in part to complex tribal jurisdictional issues. For example, state, local, federal, or tribal law enforcement agencies grapple over who assumes responsibility for investigating. A lack of clear law enforcement protocols and an absence of awareness of the immense resources available to tribal law enforcement agencies 
tribal leaders, and family members of missing Indigenous persons. There are less than 200 Indigenous women logged in the missing persons database, despite there being over 6,000 missing Native Americans. Native women experience a higher rate of violence at the hands of non-Native perpetrators than non-Native women. Four out of five Native women will have experienced violence during their life. They are 1.7 times more likely to have experienced violence within the last year. They face murder rates more than 10 times the national average. More than half have experienced sexual violence. And Native American women are less likely to receive needed services. These statistics are according to the National Congress of American Indians. When an indigenous woman goes missing, she goes missing not one time, but three times. In life, in the media, and in data. I spoke with Tina for two hours. I could have listened to her longer because her passion for giving back to the community is immensely strong despite the pain she endures every day her niece is missing. Tina's niece Alyssa went missing 10 years ago. Her case is a cold case. Yet Tina has somehow persevered and found a way to give back to her community. Who is Tina? She is a street smart, intelligent, tenacious, loving, and compassionate woman who will never give up her fight for justice.